When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 128 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. How's everybody doing this week? A um, couple housekeeping items uh, to start out. Um, I'm recording this podcast very late uh, on Thursday night because um, it's been a busy uh, couple of days, been a busy night. My voice, honestly, is uh, is shot. I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna lie. Uh, I'm keeping it pretty low um, because I was just. Um, yelling a lot uh, and that is because i was at the seton hall men's basketball game that uh, happened on thursday night my beloved pirates beating number seven texas at the rock um my first um arena sporting event in two years and uh couldn't have had any more fun it was so much fun being there um Pirates played extremely well. Obviously, this is a Knicks podcast, but I'm going to give a little bit of love to the alma mater uh, real quick. For those that have listened to this podcast for the last few years, you guys know uh, I love me some college basketball. I cover college basketball, still do from time to time. And it was just great being there as a fan, as an alum uh, with a couple of other alums, uh, friends of mine, and we had a great time. And, uh, you know, it was just a lot of fun. It felt very cool being back there. And Seton Hall uh, picked up a huge win. So I'm very excited for the Pirates. And uh, uh, obviously, uh, it's affecting my voice on the podcast. So I, I apologize for that. I tried to record it um, before I left to go to the game. Um, however, I was not able to do so. So you're stuck with me like this for this week. I apologize uh, for that. I'm keeping it kind of low because... Um, I don't want to totally blow out my vocal cords and uh, <laughs> and wake up tomorrow uh, with a very very sore throat. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of chance from me. Uh, so I apologize that my voice is a little bit lower than it normally would be. Um, but the show goes on, as they say. So I'm excited to talk some Knicks with you guys, as always. Talk some NBA this week as well. Um, tough week for the Knicks overall. I, I want to get to some NBA stuff later on. Um, talk maybe a little bit of Lakers, Celtics, and the just I mean back and forth can conversation that continues about where the Lakers stand at the moment, and to kind of give a, a wide range of thoughts on the NBA 
because um, you know this week is kind of a good week to do that we're getting a, a good amount of games under everybody's belt the Knicks have played 25 games we have a decent idea uh, of where they're at at the moment and we'll talk about some concerns revolving around the Knicks in a second but I do want to you know kind of give a little bit of a state of the NBA um, later on as well contenders things like that teams that are looking good uh, teams that are not so uh, let's start with the Knicks, obviously. Tough week. You know, there's really no other way uh, to go about it. Um, Knicks lost a tough one against the Bulls. Um, again, we're talking, when we go, you know, for those that are just kind of joining the show, you know, when we go week by week, it's the week between podcasts for me. That's kind of how I how I tend to do it. Um, it's how that we've always kind of run things around here. Um, the Knicks uh, really had to fight back against Chicago and I apologize if if I went over this game already but I I felt like this was worth uh, rehashing just because this was a game that really could have been a momentum shifter for the Knicks and uh, that first quarter really really hurt them and uh, they tried extremely hard in the second half listen to to get back into the game Knicks trailed 37-19 after the first quarter they had a big 12-point swing in the third and uh, came up just short 119 to 115 it was, it was much better from Julius Randle that night but DeMar DeRozan Nikola Vucevic who's just a Nick killer time and time again and Zach Levine had 34 27 and 27 respectively and that was enough no other Bulls were in double figures it was those three stars that were able to shine the brightest Knicks had five players in double figures Randle had 30 Burks, who I thought, um, despite his tough shooting, made some big free throws uh, in this one. I think he went 9 of 10 from the line. Got some good shooting from Evan Fournier, who made 4 of 10 from 3. You'll take that. He had 16 quickly, had 15. And D. Rose, perfect from the free throw line, 8 of his 16 points and 6 assists off the bench. This was just a game that came down to you know, late execution. And the Knicks were not able to make enough plays down the stretch. I, I thought it was very frustrating, um, some of the defensive plays we saw from the Knicks in the final three minutes, to be quite honest with you. I, I thought the Bulls were pretty predictable with what they were trying to do, and the Knicks were not able to make enough stops down the stretch. I was very disappointed uh, with the way the Knicks finished the game. Felt like a game that was right there again for the taking. And for some reason, man, for some reason at home, this season, the Knicks have extremely struggled. And um, they, at the time, were 5-7 and seven on their home floor. Um, I believe they're now 5-8 and eight after the game we'll get to next. So they're currently 5-8 and eight at MSG. That's not good enough. It's not good enough at all. Um, the Knicks would be in pretty bad shape. If they didn't have a decent away record, they are seven and five away from MSG this year. The Knicks would be in dire straits right now. Some would say probably if the Knicks were below five hundred away from MSG. You know, this would be a totally different look right now, and it's not good right now. But it would be even worse if the Knicks were struggling on the road. They're doing rather well on the road they just can't seem to put it together consistently at madison square garden it's been a very weird msg schedule at home so far knicks have had some good home wins 
out of those five, but there have been some pretty bad ones out of the eight losses. Um, the Bulls one is frustrating just because the Knicks had a chance to, to complete a memorable comeback in this game, and it was there for the taking for them in the fourth quarter, but the Bulls made a couple of tough shots, and I thought that uh, DeMar DeRozan you know, was, was uh, not handled properly by the Knicks defensively. And, and listen, give him some credit. He had to make a couple of tough shots, but the Knicks kind of knew what was going to happen and uh, and didn't really adjust. And uh, down the stretch, I, I really I thought there was a bit of a breakdown at times defensively from the Knicks defensively, and apologies for repeating, but it's just it's frustrating because this is a team that should have its identity ingrained on the defensive end of the floor, and we've seen some lapses there in key moments. And uh, And listen... You know, the Bulls are very good. I want to talk about them, actually, in the second half of the show. But this is a game the Knicks should have won. And uh, listen, you know, if you want to look at the grand scheme of the game, the first quarter cost the Knicks. They, they just didn't show up in the first quarter, and they outplayed the Bulls, I thought, for the rest of the game. But they gave themselves too big of a deficit to have to come back from. You can't spot a, a team like Chicago an 18-point lead after one quarter. You can't do it and expect to win. So there's that as well. And uh, I I thought this was a game that the Knicks should have won. You know, it felt like one that, that, uh, that the Knicks let slip away. And you could argue they lost in the first quarter, but they had chances in the fourth quarter to win it, and they weren't able to do so, which shows the inconsistency, especially, I think, on the defensive end of the floor, where the Knicks need to be at their best. So that was a disappointing game, and and then it got more disappointing at MSG uh, against Denver. And Denver, to be fair, has always been a team the Knicks have struggled with, it seems like, in recent years. But uh, they just had no answers, the Knicks, for uh, for the Joker, Nikola Jokic. He was phenomenal. Um, was it Zeke Nagy, I believe, off the bench? He also had a phenomenal night, and the Knicks had no answers for him either. 32 and 21 points, respectively, between those two. And listen, the Joker had a big night. He was efficient. He hit threes. He had 11 rebounds. You know, there's just some nights where you're not going to be able to uh, to get the job done in the NBA. There's there's a lot of stars out there, and uh, Nikola Jokic shined very bright at MSG. But that makes I mean, for me, and the Knicks lost 113.99, obviously, but. Uh, this felt like a winnable game going in because Denver has struggled away from home. At home, they've been very good this season, like many teams in the Western Conference. Home court has been very kind to Denver. But on, on the road, they've been, I think they're four games below 500, three or four games below 500 away from home, something like that. At least they were after uh, the game against the Knicks. So extremely, extremely disappointing. I, I thought, I thought, uh, that that Denver did a really good job of slowly but surely wearing the Knicks down in this game. You know, the Knicks held their... They, they were kind of in it for a while in the first half, but Denver had a pretty healthy lead at the break, I think of nine points. And then in the third quarter, they slowly but surely chipped it away. Or I should say chipped uh, further uh, into the lead. So, And I think it was uh, really a hefty margin going into the fourth, and that was pretty much that. The Knicks you know, finally got a little bit going in the fourth, but it was way too late. And, uh, you know, Julius Randle 
stat-wise, I thought was okay, but I, I, you know, he was thoroughly outplayed in this game. There's no question about it. He had 24, eight assists, seven rebounds. So statistically, he looked good, but he he should have he should have had a much bigger night. I felt like could have had 30 points. I think in this game, Evan Fournier, R.J. Barrett. By the way, R.J. Barrett has been really, really tough to watch of late. He has been very, very poor at times and it's a it's tough to see it's tough to see you're expecting rj barrett to um to be the guy we'll get to you know a good game that he had this week uh in a second but for the most part um he has really been up and down he's been as inconsistent as the knicks as a whole this season and i thought against denver i mean one of seven from three uh made some mistakes defensively as well he only had 13 points you know and, and then the bench uh I, I thought didn't do enough in this game uh Derek Rose was in double figures um and was efficient from the field but not from deep but he had four turnovers in this game which is way too high uh for him so that was a bit frustrating to see but listen you know this is kind of another point that I wanted to make on the show this week the Knicks are going to be in trouble if they can't figure out this point guard situation. That's the bottom line. This is not really a difficult thing to navigate right now with the Knicks. And this is this, by the way, is impacting both ends of the floor. No question about it. Without Kemba Walker, the the Knicks and I, I know, listen, I get it. There's a reason that Tibbs has moved away from him. But if the Knicks are going to do anything that we're expecting them to do this year, making the playoffs and making a run into the playoffs deep, winning a round, possibly two rounds, they need a point guard. This is why Kemba Walker was brought here. And this whole stretch where he's not playing, you are seeing the issues the Knicks have when they don't have a point guard starting the game, first of all. you know Alec Burks has got to be in there with Fournier and Barrett. And that's not going to get it done. It's just not. Not consistently. And Rose and Quickly off the bench at times are doing what they need to do. But without a point guard on the floor, it is not going to work. It's just not. You know? And clearly Derrick Rose cannot play those minutes. It's clear. That's why he's on the bench. The whole point of bringing Kemba Walker was to take some of the load off of Derrick Rose. So it, this formula right now is why you're seeing the Knicks fluttering, you know, around 500, currently below 500. That's the deal. And the Knicks are going to have to figure it out on the defensive end of the floor more consistently. But I think having a having a point guard back there whether the Knicks are going to trade Kemba Walker or not, they got to figure this out. Because that is one of the biggest problems I, I think that's plaguing this team at the moment. Knicks lost one thirteen to ninety nine, obviously to Denver. Listen, they 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 finally ended the skid initially <laughs> against a really bad uh, San Antonio Spurs team. This is probably the worst team that Pop has had. The, the same Spurs team, by the way, earlier this uh, Thursday night that beat Denver <laughs> one twenty three, I believe, to one eleven. Um, so they, they did pick up a ninth victory, but listen, the Knicks bounced back. Well, 
Um, the third quarter, I thought, was the best of the quarters for the Knicks, if you're breaking it down like that. Didn't need a ton from Julius Randle scoring the basketball uh, because R.J. Barrett had a career night, 32 points. And I mentioned, you know, we were going to get to his good game of, of the of the weekend of the season, one of the better games he's played as a Nick, uh, period, end of story. 11 of 20, 7 of 8 from 3, which is obviously not going to happen every night. <laughs> but 32 points, and he just had it going, you know, but it's... I really hope that at some point when we when we're talking about RJ Barrett that we're you know getting 17 18 points a night because it's either 32 or it's 13 or it's you know 21 or it's nine you know it's all over the place when you look at RJ Barrett's uh, game logs you know RJ Barrett is averaging 15 points per game this season I think he should be averaging 18 points per game I really do. He should be averaging more, and it's got to be more consistent, in my opinion. I mean, just look at his last five games. I mean, that that will tell you this. Actually, um, I could actually flare it out even more than that um, when you're looking at his season so far. Look at his last 10 games, R.J. Barrett. I mean, that tells the story. 17 11 this is all points by the way 17 11 9 12 10 15 4 13 32 19 in the loss to indiana which we'll get to briefly in a second that's all over the place and there's two single digit ones in there i mean rj barrett had a game earlier this year against charlotte about a month ago where he had two points in 26 minutes and in the month of November alone, R.J. Barrett had five games where he didn't break into double figures. That can't happen. That simply cannot happen on this team. He had one in November. He had, what was it, what did I say? Five in December. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. He had two, one in October, pardon me. And he had five in November. Those games can't happen. And by the way, every time R.J. Barrett this season has scored in single digits, the Knicks have lost. Every time. Actually, all but once. He had seven points in a win over Orlando, second game of the season. And because Evan Fournier went off and everybody else went off, and Orlando was terrible that night, they've dodged it. But the last six times that R.J. Barrett has scored, or I should say five, that he's scored in single digits, the Knicks have lost. More times than not, you're not going to win if R.J. Barrett's not in double figures. That's the bottom line. And listen, 121-109, you get a, a hard-fought win in San Antonio. Knicks dictated the game. You know, it was great to see Nerlens Noel have a big night. He was great, I thought, in this game defensively. Um, didn't need anything from him offensively. Burks was phenomenal. Had 18 and 5 assists. Quickly, Rose, Robinson, 16, 12, and 11, respectively. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're going to get when your stars are playing well. When Barrett or Randall or Fournier is able to pick up the slack. And listen, right? Burks is kind of filling that Kemba role right now. 
he's not if he's not scoring a lot the Knicks are not going to win they need those points from that position they need that fifth guy who's going to be this kind of point guard role right now with Burks filling in in the starting lineup he's got to score double figures every night that's a big ask and luckily for the most part this year Alec Burks has been up to the task but it's not going to happen every night he's just not that kind of player you know and now you know you look at this stretch for the Knicks and they've won what two of their last seven games and to be fair it's not as drastic when Alec Alec Burks doesn't get into double figures he's had 23 25 16 11 18 and 15 he's been in double figures in each of the last six games and he's been in double figures 10 of the last 11 games when you expand it out to that far Knicks have won four out of roughly four out of ten they've won they're they're four and six in the last 10 games so guys are trying to fill these roles but it's not it's not natural (laughs) it's not how it was meant to be for this Knicks team and they're paying the price a little bit right now for not having Kemba Walker or an established point guard in that position really quick I know I'm a little up against it time-wise but I, I thought the Pacer loss uh, the other night was extremely, extremely tough to watch. You know, I, I saw the highlight uh, of the OB top and dunk and then watched the rest of the game uh, from there. Basically, I, I, when I tuned it in, it was about two plays before that OB top and dunk, which was great. He's a, he's a, he's a phenomenal dunker between the legs. Uh, it was great, but... I, I thought that was going to be a moment where the Knicks can kind of get back in the game and, and you know use that as some energy and the Knicks lost three of the four quarters they didn't win any of them um and the Pacers who were shorthanded as well by the way this was not anywhere near a full strength Indiana outfit and all five starters were in double figures it it, they were just throwing it together on the bench I mean I think they played eight guys off the bench talk about just piecing it together and none of them were in double figures. The starters killed the Knicks in this game. And this one hurt the most, I think, because this was a chance to get back to above 500 for this Knicks team. And it's against an Indiana team that you know the Knicks have struggled with a little bit, but they should not be giving up 122 points to a, to a Indiana team that was just not up for it. You know, or shouldn't have been up for it. You know, they they weren't they didn't play great, Indiana, to be quite frankly to be quite frank with you. They didn't play that well. The Knicks just weren't good. Pacers were shorthanded and and really weren't were nothing special. They really weren't. And I, I mean one of the few times you, when you looked over, I think there was an article even written about this, looked over at Coach Thibodeau, and, and he was perplexed. He was just like, man, what is going on right now on this basketball court? Teams, My team's not playing well, and the Pacers are just running us off the floor. And they frankly shouldn't have been. They really should not have been. Knicks didn't shoot it that badly. I mean, they shot 30% from three, which isn't great, but they shot 42% from the field. It was the defensive end. They 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 allowed Indiana, a shorthanded Indiana that was just make a makeshift bench behind the starters, 
to shoot 53.5%. Just not good enough. Just not good enough. Pacers made 10 more buckets than the Knicks. It's just not just not good enough. Extremely tough to take. And to be fair, Knicks didn't look great in the first game in Indiana. Didn't look great then either, but this was a blowout. This was a this was a rout at times. It it didn't it never really felt like the Knicks were going to get back into this game. And that's where the concerns are starting to come. It's why you're starting to see, you know, the is it time to worry about the Knicks' tweets and articles and headlines and you know, this is a kind of game where you start to look and you're like, man, a game of, game below 500, not playing well at the Garden. You know, Kemba's situation continues. And you got to wonder, what what are the Knicks going to do here? It, it really is a perplexing situation. I got to take a break here. I'm going to wrap up the Knicks points after this. And we'll talk Bulls, we'll talk Lakers, and we'll talk big picture NBA after this on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, Sean St. Jacques back here with you. Just want to quickly wrap up my point about the Knicks. Um, Didn't get a full chance to do that. Had to take a break, obviously. So I just wanted to kind of give my my last uh, thoughts for the week on the Knicks here because this is a difficult situation. You know, this is a tricky, tricky, what's the right word? Conundrum that the Knicks have to deal with right now. And, you know, 25 games in, I, I'll admit, I was not expecting the Knicks to be a game below 500. I thought I thought the Knicks, you know, would hopefully uh, be a few games above 500. And, and the Knicks have obviously not been able to be consistent enough defensively. They clearly have not um, figured out what they want to do with Kemba Walker. So the point guard position is non-existent right now. You're playing with three shooting guards, none of whom know how to run an offense. All three can score, but they're all inconsistent. At least uh, Fournier and Barrett have been. Burks, uh, for the most part, has has been good. So the Knicks have got to figure that out. They've got to figure out whether they're going to trade Kemba or if they're going to try to go back to him and, and figure this out because they need somebody else in there. They do. They're not going to last if uh, they do not address this issue. And then... The defensive inconsistencies, which is a direct, uh, you know, hit on the credibility of Tom Thibodeau. This has not been good the last uh, maybe month, you could argue, but really the last two weeks have really been a struggle for this Knicks team defensively against good teams and against bad teams. I mean, that's pretty easy to see that whether the Knicks play the the Nuggets or the Bulls or they play uh, the Spurs or they play the Pacers, the Knicks are not exactly doing uh, well defensively in, in these games. So it has been a big, big issue and has to be taken care of. I think Nerlens Noel working himself back in is going to be a big boost for this team. But again, you look at the guard play. Have R.J. Barrett at times and uh, not having Kemba. And again, Kemba's not there really for his defense, but just having a leader out on the floor is is crucial you know and Derek Rose can't play 40 minutes a night it's not gonna happen he's gonna play 25 minutes and hopefully get 15 points that's why he's there so and obviously to be a leader on this team so 
This has to be addressed. The Knicks have got to figure this out. I think they will. You know, I trust Tom Thibodeau. I trust this staff. Uh, I think they will make a decision on Kemba sooner rather than later, and then we'll see when they decide to execute it. But Knicks have got to start winning games. It's not going to get easier. I talked about this stretch coming up uh, a couple of episodes ago, if not the last episode for the Knicks. This is a very critical juncture in this season. Knicks are currently 11th in the East, half game back of Boston for the play-in spots and a game and a half back of Cleveland, of all teams, for a spot uh, directly into the playoffs. Knicks play the Raptors on Friday. You'll be listening to the podcast, hopefully, uh, when this game is played. So I'll react to it next week. But that's a must-win game. In Toronto, Knicks have got to have it. Knicks have got to have it. And um, it's, you know, the end of this three-game road trip would be a big boost if the Knicks could get back to 500 and go 2-1 and one on this road trip before they welcome Milwaukee and then Golden State to MSG, two huge games that I think the Knicks really need to grab at least one. They've got to grab one of them before it eases a little bit. Houston away, Boston away as well, then Detroit, Washington, Atlanta for Christmas Day. So you want to be above 500 going into the new year. That's the bottom line. Minnesota after that, Detroit, and then New Year's Eve at OKC. When you're going to Toronto again on January 2nd, Knicks have got to be above 500. That's a mark that they need to hit, I think, in these last few weeks of December. It's a very big juncture in this uh, in this schedule for the Knicks. Winnable games and, and games that will test the Knicks mixed in as well with Milwaukee, Golden State, Boston, Washington, Atlanta, and uh, I would throw in uh, Minnesota as well. So these are all important games. These are games the Knicks have to have. You know, the Knicks have got to get back on track and and we'll see if they're going to be able to do it. So, but for the time being, for the time being, Knicks have got a lot of things that they've got to iron out as we get closer and closer to 2022's section of the regular season. Um, Want to drop this in quickly uh, so I don't have to at the end, but uh, if you guys uh, want to talk to me live, I'm still uh, still on Clubhouse, of course. Shock Shock Knicks Talk is the place to follow me there. Haven't been on there as much as I'd liked to be over the last few weeks. Haven't had the chance to do any uh, NBA fan club stuff either, but follow NBA fan club. We're trying to continue to build this thing. Um, I believe, let me double check, but the, the group has continued to grow on Clubhouse, both NBA fan club and Knicks um shock shock Knicks talk as well so you guys uh really appreciate you giving us some support over there as well and i've been trying my best to find time uh to (laughs) to do this stuff but i think we just got over 200 members on the shock shock Knicks talk and we have so that's a huge uh, testament to you guys um really appreciate the support over there and hopefully we'll be uh you know if we can obviously holidays are you know coming up christmas shopping as well but Hopefully we will be able to get on there a little bit more, uh, whether it's in December or hopefully the new year as well. We'll wrap things up uh, talking about some of the other teams around the NBA. Again, if you're just if you're just kind of skipping around the podcast as well, I do want to mention uh, I just got back from a college basketball game as a fan. Um, it's been two years uh, since I've been a fan at an indoor 
sporting event, my first sporting event, you know, not post COVID, obviously we're still in it, but, um, you know, in a safer, you know, living with COVID kind of a thing, um, was going to a, a San Francisco giants game with a buddy of mine that lives out West. So this is my first indoor, uh, sporting event. I'm going to try to get to a Knicks game, uh, hopefully in the next couple of months, variants pending, obviously, but, uh, I was at a Seton Hall men's basketball game and my alma mater took down Texas. I was yelling a lot. It was exciting. It was a great atmosphere. The rock was awesome. And, uh, it was great to see Seton Hall come out with a win over a top 10 team. And uh, that's why my voice is so low. I'm trying not to completely blow up my vocal cords. But we were cheering hard for Seton Hall and uh, was really happy with the uh, with the win, obviously. But also trying to keep it a little low-key recording this uh, <laughs> a few hours after I got back from the game. So, But let's wrap things up. A quick, rip, quick whip around, easy for me to say, the NBA here to wrap things up this week and you know listen uh i think the first team i want to talk about is the chicago bulls um they lost the other night i believe uh chicago but overall uh they are living up to the hype they lost to cleveland who i want to briefly touch on (laughs) as well uh but but chicago is currently in second place um the resurgent milwaukee bucks who have gotten back on track are in third Miami, who's looked pretty good uh, for most of the season, is in fourth. Washington, who's been a bit of a surprise, is in fifth. And then Cleveland as well. Very, I should say, three teams that I didn't expect to be there right now. So, at the moment, you know, the Knicks, out of uh, the teams above them, have the worst home record. You know, out of the top 10 teams or 11, Knicks sit in 11th at the moment in the East. Knicks have the worst home record. That That is really the difference. They have one of the better road records of that group, but they've got one of the worst home records. That's the home records. That's the difference. So Chicago has been living up to the hype. I think I mentioned early in the season that Chicago should be a team that, that should be watched. I, they were my dark horse uh, coming into this season to potentially uh, overachieve and so far, they have 17-9, and nine, and they're a half game back of the still Kyrie-less Brooklyn Nets, who are in first place, looking not too bad without them at the moment. So, it's one of those things where the Bulls are playing extremely well. They deserve credit. Um, they could be a top-four seed when it's all said and done. I mean, we could be looking at Brooklyn. We could be looking at Milwaukee. I don't know if Philly's going to get there. They've got a shot at it. But if not Philly, it could be Miami. Um, and then the only other two I think that could get there, they got to figure it out, obviously. But uh, the Knicks could figure it out still, I think, for a top four seed. Um, but I also think that Atlanta, who's a game ahead of the Knicks right now, could also potentially figure things out. So we'll see. Again, the Knicks-Raptors game, uh, that you guys will hopefully be listening to either uh, before or after the podcast uh, goes out. Uh, it'll go out, obviously, on the Friday morning before the game. So pregame, maybe a little listen. Postgame, maybe a little listen. Uh, or maybe uh, later on in the weekend. Uh, however you guys like to do it. And we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes. Just because that's a big game. Knicks are only a game ahead of the Raptors right now. So that you want to get a little bit of a gap back on Toronto as well so 
But Chicago, looking at the top half right now, Chicago's playing extremely well. I want to give the Cavs a bit of a shout-out. I don't know if they can keep this up. I'll admit that, but the way they've played, more, more specifically on the road this season, the Cavs have really been impressive away from, I, guess, I think it's still Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland. Um, they've been phenomenal. I, I, I'm really taken aback uh, by how Cleveland has played at the start of this season. Now, again, they, they I think they're starting to get a little bit of injury problems themselves, but um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if they can keep it up. Uh, they'd be a big surprise. I had Cleveland well out of the playoffs, and I'm looking it up now. It's Apparently, it's now Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they've, they've played well away from Cleveland this year. They're below 500, uh, at rocket mortgage field house. But when you look at what are they eight and five? I think, I think they're eight. Yeah. They're eight and five away from home. I never would have thought that no chance that I would have expected Cleveland to be where they are right now. Now, (laughs) We could be talking in two weeks. They could be 12th. You know, it's it's very tight right now. But they just, they're coming off a big win over the Bulls. They played the Bucks tough. They played Utah tough as well. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Heat. They beat the Mavericks this season as well. And by the way, they went to Miami and blitzed the Heat. Blitzed them. You know, very impressive uh, win there for the Cavs. And, you know, listen, you look at the stats. And you know, to be honest, I haven't had too much of a chance to watch Cleveland live this year just because they're out of market. I don't think they've been on national television yet, but Garland, Allen, who's looked great, the former net player, Colin Sexton, who's the one that's dealing with injuries at the moment, Laurie Markinen has been a great addition to this Cleveland attack, and Evan Mobley, or Evan Mobley, I should say, uh, has been great. You know, and then Rubio, to be fair, Ricky Rubio has been pretty solid off the bench. So Mobley, Rubio, Markinen, Sexton when he's healthy, Allen and Garland, along with Kevin Love, who's only played 18 games, but has been okay in those games. I don't know if they can keep this up, the Cavs, but there's some pretty talented players on this team. And Darius Garland, who was, you know, deemed as a risk coming out of college. I believe he went to Vanderbilt. He was hurt coming out of the draft. And Cleveland has a bit of a potential gem here in Darius Garland. So we will see. We'll see how it goes. But there are ones to watch right now in the Eastern Conference. Briefly in the West, I wanted to to mention really quickly before we get out of here, the topsy-turbiness of this Lakers season which continues uh, again. They've shocker, right? They've won five of their last ten. You know what a surprise! They've been right down the middle this year. They're thirteen and thirteen. You don't know always what you're going to get. Ads come under scrutiny once again, and uh, it's one of those things where I just don't quite know what's going to happen with the Lakers this year. I think they're going to get out of the play-in, but it's very tight. They're uh, tied right now with the Mavericks, who have played two less games than them. So we'll we'll see Denver's still below 500. They're still kind of trying to figure it out, which is why that that loss the Knicks had is even more frustrating. Um, Minnesota 
at one point was above 500 about a week ago, and now they've lost four in a row, and they've come back down to earth. So they were 11 and 10, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago. But now they've lost four straight, and they are back down to ninth in the standings. And uh, with the Sacramento Kings, who had to win three in a row to get there, it's 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 kind of wild right now because the Blazers have really struggled. They've lost four in a row, seven of the last ten, and they have won one road game this season. The Portland Trail Blazers have the third best record at home in the West. The only two teams that have a better home record than the Trailblazers are second place Phoenix and first place Golden State. Other than them, Portland has the best home record in the West. However, here's the one problem. Portland has the joint worst road record in the NBA. They are 1-11 away from home this season, tied with the Houston Rockets. You can't make this stuff up. Will Portland blow it up? Should they have blown it up during the offseason? Tough to say. Tough to say. We'll see if they can figure it out. Again, it's it's the West. It's There's a lot of games left to be played. But man, oh man, this road stretch for the Blazers at the start of this season has been tough to watch by the way shocker their only road win at Houston how how uh how full circle is that for the Portland Trailblazers my goodness just pitiful on the road they'd won you know half of those games the Blazers would be right in the middle of the top six they'd be right there but they just can't seem to figure it out away from home. Rockets, by the way, despite uh, really being crap uh, away from home, they've won seven straight games, by the way. Rockets have won seven in a row, and you know, only one of those, by the way, was on the road. Their only road win of the season was a win at Oklahoma City, who is, you know, tied with them for the second worst record in the entire uh not the sorry not the entirely but in the in the west uh the pistons have the worst record in the nba the rockets though have been impressive and i'll get out of here on this these this is the murderers row it's not totally murderers row but this is the group of teams they've beaten they beat the bulls the hornets and the thunder at home then they beat okc on the road then they came back home they beat the magic the pelicans who have been God awful without Zion. And it just, they played competitively at times, but they've just been so bad at closing games. And then they beat Brooklyn as well. So the Rockets, the Rockets of all of a sudden won a touchdown and an extra point in a row. And they have saved some face, to say the least, over these last few weeks. So. It's wild. Uh, all I'm going to say to close this out is 25 games in roughly to this NBA season. All I know for sure is that Golden State is really good. The Suns are really good. And I don't know what the hell is going to go. Ha- is what is, What's going to go on? I can't even say it. I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the East. I have no idea. 
That's it. Those are my three checks here, my three boxes. Phoenix is really good. Golden State's really good. And I don't know what the heck's going to happen in the East. That's really all I got for you. <laughs> That's my state of the NBA here uh, in this uh, at the end of this uh, week here. As, as I literally look at my watch here, uh, December 9th turning into December 10th. I got to get this podcast to you guys. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys so much as always for listening to the podcast. We've gotten some great feedback over the last couple of weeks with the shows and uh, it really all comes back down to you guys. And uh, I really appreciate you listening week in and week out. Uh, for those that just concluded with Hanukkah, hope you enjoyed that holiday with your family and with your friends and uh, hope you're enjoying the rest of the holiday season. That goes for everybody as well. So everyone out there, uh, have a great week. Continue to enjoy the holiday season. Hopefully the Knicks will get back on track. We'll talk about that and more next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. I'm going to go rest my voice and I will talk to you all next week.